of a hood, the way she bends forward to stay warm or to hide her bundle. A beautiful surprise, whoever she is. She is the missing note, the movement he needed to fill that central stretch of road with its dirt-pocked snow. He has long since retreated, working now just inside his window. He is old and his limbs ache if he paints out of doors in the cold for more than a quarter of an hour, so he can only imagine her quick breath her step on the road, the crunch of snow under her sharp boot heel. He is aging, ill, but for a moment he wishes she would turn and look straight at him. He pictures her hair as dark and soft, her lips vermilion, her eyes large and wary. But she does not turn, and he finds he is glad. He needs her as she is. Needs her moving away from him into the snowy tunnel of his canvas. Needs the straight form of her back and heavy skirts with their elegant border, her arm cradling the wrapped object. She is a real woman, and she is in a hurry. But now she is also fixed forever. Now she is frozen in her haste. She is a real woman, and now she is a painting. Chapter One Marlowe. I got the call about Robert Oliver in April 1999, less than a week after he'd pulled a knife in the 19th century collection at the National Gallery. It was a Tuesday, one of those terrible mornings that sometimes come to the Washington area when spring has already been flowery and even hot. Ruinous hail and heavy skies, with rumbles of thunder in the suddenly cold air. It was also, by coincidence, exactly a week after the massacre at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado. I was still thinking obsessively about that event, as I imagined every psychiatrist in the country must have been. My office seemed full of those young people with their sawed-off shotguns, their demonic resentment. How had we failed them, and, even more, their innocent victims? The violent weather and the country's gloom seemed to me fused that morning. When my phone rang... The voice on the other end was that of a friend and colleague, Dr. John Garcia. John is a fine man and a fine psychiatrist, with whom I went to school long ago and who takes me out to lunch now and then at a restaurant of his choice, seldom allowing me to pay. He does emergency intake and inpatient care in one of Washington's biggest hospitals and, like me, also sees private patients. John was telling me now that he wanted to transfer a patient to me, to put him in my care, and I could hear the eagerness in his voice. This guy could be a difficult case. I don't know what you'll make of him, but I'd prefer for him to be under your care at Golden Grove. Apparently he's an artist, a successful one. He got himself arrested last week, then brought to us. He doesn't talk much and doesn't like us much here. His name is Robert Oliver. I've heard of him, but I don't really know his work, I admitted. Landscapes and portraits. I think he was on the cover of Art News a couple of years ago. What did he do to get arrested? I turned to the window and stood, watching hail fall like expensive white gravel over the walled back lawn and a battered magnolia. The grass was already very green, and for a second there was a watery sunlight over everything, then a fresh burst of hail. He tried to attack a painting in the National Gallery, with a knife. A painting? Not a person? Well, apparently there was no one else in the room at that moment but a guard came in and saw him lunging for a painting. Did he put up a fight? I watched hail sowing itself in the bright grass. 
Yes, he eventually dropped the knife on the floor, but then he grabbed the guard and shook him up pretty badly. He's a big man. Then he stopped and let himself just be led away, for some reason. The museum is trying to decide whether or not to press assault charges. I think they're going to drop, but he took a big risk. I studied the backyard again. National Gallery paintings are federal property, right? Right. What kind of knife was it? Just a pocket knife. Nothing dramatic. But he could have done a lot of damage. He was very excited, thought he was on a heroic mission, and then broke down at the station. Said he hadn't slept in days. He even cried a little. They brought him over to the psych ER, and I admitted him. I could hear John waiting for my answer. How old is this guy? He's young. Well, 43, but that sounds young to me these days, you know? I knew and laughed. Turning 50 just two years before had shocked us both, and we'd covered it by celebrating with several friends who were in the same situation.